0: Good afternoon, everybody. This is Rashad Gibson, your host of Gospel Thoughts. And today is episode number 26, in which we're going to be talking about some things having to do with history and politics and culture and education and to see how we have drifted from our historical foundation that was richly Christian. In essence, you know, I've been doing a lot of reading and I've always been, not always, but I would say to the the latter half of my life, my born again life, God began to give me a, a deep, rich interest for politics and for history. And one of the things I began to really look at several years ago. And it came out the blue, really, because I never really thought about it. And I can't even re- remember how I even came to really look at and investigate this particular topic I'm about to talk about. Is how there were, here in America, the majority of our universities, when they were first started, were Christian. A great majority of them. The most. Some of the most prestigious schools in America were Christian. Yale University was Christian. In fact, the the preceding Ivy League school, Harvard University, was thoroughly Christian, was preceded Yale. You had Brown University, you had Dartmouth University, even Columbia was Christian. You could just about look at all the Ivy League League schools and what you will find out is they were Christian universities. Now you look at them and they're some of the most far left, most liberal universities in the nation, if not in the world. And there's many different reasons why that faded away. But what I want to do today is begin to look at the history of the nation, and where the influence came from when it came to the First Amendment. Some of you may or may not know what the First Amendment is, but we're going to talk about that today so we can understand where we have went wrong. So with that being said, Let's just take a look at the First Amendment and then begin to discuss its origin, where it came from, why it came to be, and what was the thinking behind it. And then we'll move into what's going on today culturally, educationally, because all of it, it all really blends together. So I'm just going to read really the first two clauses of the First Amendment Since that's primarily what we're going to be dealing with today. So let me just read it. Congress shall make no law respecting any establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. And I'm going to stop there on the First Amendment because the rest goes into the freedom of speech, the press, etc., etc., So, when we hear this clause, or this, is this clause, this amendment, these first two clauses, we have to begin to think okay, what was the thinking behind this First Amendment? Why is it the First Amendment? It's very important to understand. This is absolutely important because this was to the forefront of our founding fathers' minds because a good majority of them were Christian. So when you begin to look at the history of the First Amendment dealing with the aspect of religion and the free exercise thereof, you have to begin to look at some of the Original foundational documents which can be found in the congressional record going back to June 8th to September 25th of 1789, which really discloses the discussions about the First Amendment. And what you will find when you read through this dialogue or this record... Is that the founding fathers? You have to understand what would, what they were leaving, where they were coming from, what they were escaping from. What they 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 had there was a rich foundation to this, because you got to understand the founding fathers came from Great Britain, and Great Britain had a state established church called the Church of England. And of course, because of that, since the Church of England was in bed with the government, if you were to disobey anything in the sense, if you didn't if, say you didn't go to church on a Sunday and and you know you were rebelling against the the the, the precepts of the priest or the Ang- or the Anglican pastor, however you want to call it, they could fine you. In some cases, they put you in prison. So what what they were what was going on in their minds was we do not want to have a state religion or better yet a state particular denomination because when you begin to look at the arguments found in the congressional record what you're going to find is at first they wanted to they wanted well the first idea was. To not establish a national religion, Congress should not re- establish a national religion. But then they began to play with the wording a little bit, and then they began to play the idea of not establishing any relig- religious denomination. So the, the denominational, the the term denomination and religion were interchangeable. In other words. What was going on in our minds was we, they didn't want to establish, say, the Episcopalian denomination to be the only state religion at the exclusion of the Baptists, the Calvinists, the Arminians, the Anabaptists, all those other denominations. They didn't want to have one particular denomination as being in this, of the state religion. So they were trying to avoid all of that. And the reality was they were trying to protect the citizens from government intrusion or government enforcement, if you will, to create a particular law that says this nation is is only going to worship the the Anglican denomination or the Anabaptist denomination or the Baptist denomination. This was what this was really about. Because eventually they they went on with another idea to say, Congress shall not make a law establishing any particular denomination, and then they even even went on to play with an idea of Congress shall not make a law establishing any particular denomination in preference to another so all this was going this is behind the scenes of what how this amendment came about, and then finally they established. Congress shall not make no law establishing religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. So there's two different incidents. You have the founding fathers in their minds was thinking, okay, we don't want government establishing a particular denomination to be over the entire nation. We we would not want Congress to establish we're going to worship the Baptist way only, in other words. We don't want that today, and they didn't want it back then. Because then if someone came around and said, well, no, I'm I'm charismatic. And then if you began to worship God through a charismatic expression, then you would be fined or jailed or whatever. So they were trying to avoid all that madness. So they said, no, we're not going to establish any state religion. However, we're not going to prohibit you in your worship in your free exercise thereof so it's two ends the government's not going to establish, establish a state religion and on the second hand of it government will not prohibit you from freely exercising your denominational preference that is vitally important To understand what was going on in their minds and why this is the First Amendment. Because in the founding fathers' minds was the idea that this nation must be governed by biblical principles and values. They understood that. But they also understood that the state or the government should not establish a particular religion to be over. The nation. They understood that because they had the same problem back in England. Are you following me? Now, the reason why I bring this up because it's funny. Well, it's not funny. It's sick. I say it's sick because... Over the years, we have now had this woven into our culture, have woven into our, into our, you could say, our American consciousness that there is this clause called separation between church and state and that, you know, primarily your worship or your expression of God has to be private in so many words. I know Barack Obama said that foolishness. and I can go on and on about that, man, but I'm not right now. But the reality is this. That's a lie. Because a lot of people think that that's found in the First Amendment. It's not found there. In fact, it's not even found in the Constitution nor the Bill of Rights. You know where that's found at? That's found in a letter in 1802 from Thomas Jefferson to a group of Danbury Baptists, not too far from where I live at, who were concerned about government particularly maybe establishing some type of state religion. And they said, no, we don't want that. They were concerned about that because they were Baptists. And that's when Thomas Jefferson wrote to them back saying, hey, no, there has to be a wall between separation between church and state. That's where it comes from. Nowadays, it's flipped upside down. The way Jefferson was applying that phrase in his letter, which is not even law, but the way he was applying it was, yeah, the law, the amendment, our constitution is uh, is protecting the citizens from the government establishing a, a, a particular denomination or quote unquote uh, you know, preference of expression of this is this is to be real they were not they were not thinking of you know buddhism <laughs> this is so crazy they were not thinking of buddhism they were not thinking of new age they were not thinking of luciferian they were thinking of christian christianity that's what that's what they were thinking of but he was he was making it very clear that we are not to uh Establish anything particular as one, any particular denomination as being the state religion. So there has to be that separation. The government's not going to intrude on that. You can freely you can freely worship how you want to worship as being a Baptist, as being a Presbyterian, as being a Methodist, as being an Anglican, etc. There needs to be that, that uh, separation. That's where he was getting at. See, what happened nowadays is this. I'll give you a couple of examples. Is today you'll have groups. You'll even have, I'll tell you what, if I ever, if I ever become a politic, uh, politician or someone has any type of influence, the first thing I'm going to do is I will fight. Listen to me very carefully. I will fight for the Bible to be put back in schools. Because legally, there is no precedent there is no precedent against it, and, it's, and it is historical. Hear me out again. If I would ever get in some type of political office, or have some type of political influence, that's one of the very first things I would do. Because this is what our founding fathers wanted and desired, and they knew had to be preeminent in the American consciousness. They understood that. But nowadays. You had a bunch of. I would even say to a, a great degree. Luciferian judges. Luciferian politicians. That wanted to do away with the Bible. And they would insert Jefferson's clause. Out of context. And then apply it in a ruling. And they would even use the first amendment. Stripping away. His, his history. And then twist it in the way to take out prayer in the Bible out of schools. But let let me share this with you. Why is it? I want you to think about something. Why is it that the early church fathers, the founding fathers, Why is it a good majority of them advocated for having the Bible in schools? I can name to you three of them off top of my head. Fisher Ames, Benjamin Rush, and Noah Webster. Look all three of them up. All three of them advocated, especially Noah Webster. You probably never not even heard of him. Actually, Webster... You know, you think about the Webster Dictionary. He made, he created the first American Webster Dictionary. Um, but anyway, and he's, he's actually not too far from my house buried in New Haven. But nevertheless, he was a firm advocate of having the Bible in school. He understood if you begin to strip away the theological, spiritual influence of the Bible, the society will go away. He not only understood that, but other founding fathers understood it. In fact, we could even we could even talk about John Adams. John Adams was, if I can remember correctly, the second president in American history. This is listen listen to what he says. Quote, we have no government armed with the power capable of contending with human passions unbridled by morality and religion. Our constitution was made only for moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. End quote. This is what was going through the minds of our founding fathers, that the Bible should be preeminent in society. And they were right. They were right. Because all you got to do is look at where we're at today. And again, it goes back to what I was saying before. You look at the history. Now, of course, we'll say, well, look at slavery. Yes, slavery is a it was horrible. It was terrible. But amazingly, a lot of founding fathers, or a good portion of them, began to fight against slavery like Noah Webster, like a Benjamin Rush. These men began to fight against slavery. Nevertheless, when you begin to look at the history of the nation, of its Christian influence, again, you look at the education system. You look at Yale. You look at Harvard. Harvard, You look at Dartmouth. You look at Brown. You look at Columbia. You look at all these different schools in the Northeast, William & Mary, down in Virginia. You look at all these different schools that were Christian in their influence. Because they understood that man is fallen and man has a propensity to act out his passions if they're not restrained. The Bible is an instrument of God's revelation. When man gets born again filled with the Spirit, there is an additional restraint placed in him by the Spirit of God and which is in line with the new aligned uh, with the new covenant, which will will restrain man from acting out in immoral ways. Doesn't make us perfect, no. But when we move away from that foundation and we move, in, or move into some form of humanism, humanism is a form of Luciferianism. It's do what thou wilt, do what you want. There's no God, do what we want. That's when you begin to have all these other societal problems. The founding fathers understood that; they knew that. It's not really rock. It was not rocket science to them. They understood the importance of the Bible, of Jesus Christ, the gospel in society. They understood it. That is why the First Amendment. The second clause of the First Amendment was Congress shall never prohibit us of our free exercise thereof. Never, ever, ever. Ever. The values of the Bible, the morals of the scriptures are so rich. It's in the history of our nation, but over a period of time they have been eroded away by and again my estimation luciferian politicians politicians and judges which now has eroded into the culture or found its way into culture now we're we'll going to get to that now we got to begin to understand when it when it came to the inception of this nation, politics and education was tied at the hip, to a great to a great extent. That be that really began to form culture, how we lived. In the early days, even before the early days, because you look at you look at Harvard, I mean Harvard and and uh and Yale, these schools were established in the early seventeen hundreds before. There was a Declaration of Independence before there was a constitution. They were already established in the colonies. And a lot of those, those uh, folks that came over to the from, into the new world were carrying this Christian influence like the Puritans and pilgrims, etc. Now, of course, some of them were raucous and some of them were rebellious. You'll find them in any group. You can even get into the whole Freemasonry influence was, a, was a, satanic, a satanic influence. But nonetheless, in general, when you look at the education and the politics that were established back then, it established a particular culture of the nation. It was gonna be fixated upon the theology, the morals, the virtues that are found in the scriptures. That's how the culture was forming When you fast forward to today, I heard one preacher say it like this, we have went from leave it to beaver to the modern family. Think about that for a moment. That is what you call a cultural transformation into a Luciferian type of perspective. You begin to think about how you can think about Leave the beavers. You know, a, 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 I can remember watching that show. and I'm not even that that old, but I can remember it came on back in the day, and it was a came on black. It was on black and white channels, and and I can remember, you know, um, watching that show, watching that show sparingly, but it was an innocent show. Totally innocent. You can even look at other family shows from years ago. Nowadays, you have a show that celebrates homosexuality. And it's nothing. But beyond that, look, look at all the different cultural influences. Our founding fathers would roll over in their graves if they seen what's going on today. And the things that we accept. And the fact that we don't fight For the moral conscious consciousness of our nation, we let these things just go. It should make us angry that these things are happening, that they're the norm. And I will even say this: when it comes to the church itself, by and large. When the Bible talks about judgment is going to begin first with the church, oh, Lord. How terrifying. There's going to be many church leaders that are going to be absolutely shocked. Because a lot of times what we have done in the church is we think growing a church to a thousand people is we think we've done something. And then on top of that, it just feeds, it it perpetuates the idea if someone comes to church on a Sunday that, oh, I did something. No, no, no. What type of influence are you carrying? In fact, it could be a lot of people coming to church, but their perspectives are by and large lawless. There are a lot of people that will sit in our pews on Sunday and will celebrate some of the most lawless implementations into culture and lawless celebrities and lawless politicians that actually are working against the church's influence and will sit in a pew and they'll praise God or they'll praise whoever God they're praising but they'll shake their <laughs> pop their hands you know dance shout or whatever but the influence that they're carrying has nothing to do with Jesus has nothing to do with His values has nothing to do with the virtues that are found in scripture. It will argue with you head and foot. These are problems. That is why when I say, when judgment comes to the church, there are gonna be a lot of church leaders and laity extremely shocked when they stand before the Lord. Because the reality is, the reason why we are in the place today is, by and large, it's the church's fault. We've allowed government to bully us. We have. Even though they don't have the right to do that. The First Amendment protects us against that. So you may say, Rashad, what are we supposed to do about it? Fight. Actually do what we're supposed... Actually be what we're supposed to be... The son of the earth... The son of the earth... And it's... Again... This goes back... To our foundational history... As being American citizens... Does it mean it's going to cost you? Absolutely... As- absolutely... Your reputation may be tarnished... It may think you're a holy will... It may think you're this that, that. But who cares... You know, this thing really gets to me because I think about my own kids. What type of culture are they going to grow up in? What type of society are they going to grow up in? What type of education are they going to receive? Right? Because it all, it all blends together. You look at politics, you look at education, you look at culture. It all, it all begins to blend together. There has to come a point when we say we have to really buckle down and say we are going to do everything we can to fight politically, educationally, and culturally for a Christian influence in our nation. The way the Founding Fathers intended it to be and more importantly the way Jesus intends it to be. Now, To be fair, is everyone going to become a Christian? No. It's a narrow path. It's a narrow path. But there's some things that should just be outright culturally abolished. Flat out. You know, like I said, being an African American, I can speak on things Within my own culture now, but it, it's not. It transcends. It transcends African American culture. It goes into every culture now, and 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 you guys who know me or have heard my podcast in the, in the past know my hatred and disdain for hip hop. I hate it, and I and I me, me, let me be very clear. I do not lessen that term hate. it. I do not lessen the term hate. I do not. I don't say I disdain it. I don't like it. No, I hate it. You know why? Because it inspires men and women, young and old, to live a lawless lifestyle. That's why. That's why. At its very bare bones, that is why I hate it. I hate it with a passion. If I could, if I could just write an edict today to abolish it, I would. But I know I can't do that. We have free, we have freedom, freedom of speech even as corrupt as it can be. This is why the founding fathers understood we we're supposed to be a moral, a moral uh, and religious people. They understood if this thing goes away, it's going to be a mess. And that's what's happened. So now, politically, you can't do nothing about that. Culturally you can. But then that's when it's going to take some bold and courageous men and women to stand up to the lawlessness to say no. Ain't no where it begins, it begins in your household. That's where it begins. It begins with you. Don't tell me, oh I'm a Christian, but then you you, you yourselves and you allow your children to listen to lawlessness. I get out my face. Don't talk to me. That that irks me. If you don't want, you—I mean, I saw this is on Facebook the other day. There was an ad on Facebook that popped on my my news feed. It was a hip hop ad, and um, I forget the rapper's name. Oh no, that's what his name. His name was Kodak Black, and it was something. He it was something about some woman who's a rapper. I can't remember her name for the life of me. But anyway. I was scrolling through the, the 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 article, and they had a video attached to it. So I clicked on the video, and it was absolutely, I couldn't believe it. I mean, this woman was was so. How can I put it? It was it was disgusting. So just revealing her body in a way that it's like a light porno show. And This is entertainment. This is our cultural liking, especially as being African-American, as much as we complain about, oh, the white man, this, the white man, that, but we allow that garbage into our households and we allow it to shape our culture. Stop it. We need people that's going to say, no, no more. No more. You know you know how you you know how you dry up the well of hip hop culture? Stop buying the music. Stop going to the cultures. I mean, stop going to the concerts. Speak out against it. Oh, but you don't want to be looked at from everybody else as being a a a, a sellout or whatever. Well, you are a set out if you don't speak out against it. You're selling our you're selling our culture down the drain. You're selling our generations down the drain. If you promote that stuff and you say nothing. This is what I'm talking about as being Christian. If you're not a Christian, well, you're not a Christian. I guess you can do whatever you want. But if you are Christian, if you claim the name of Jesus, and you're saying, I'm the son of the earth, and you do nothing about these type of things, woe unto you. Woe unto you. Judgment begins with the house of God. So, again... We have to begin to say, okay, what's our attack? Yes, politically, we need, to, we need to fight for that First Amendment because it is our right to freely express our Christian religion, if you will, freely. It doesn't matter if you're charismatic, doesn't matter if you're Baptist, doesn't matter if you're England, Methodist, whatever. We should openly be able to freely express it whether we're in school, whether we're in the public, anywhere. Because the Founding Fathers framed the amendment for that particular purpose. So we need to fight for that. And I'm still trying to figure out ways to really fight for it and express it. And, and I, I'm going to get there. Believe me, I'm going to get there. More than just doing a podcast and writing about it and talking about it. We need to do something to let our politicians know, these leaders know that, no, we want this in our schools. We want this because we have the right to freely express this. It should be, it should be, this may sound so foreign and so odd, but it should be a part of every school's curriculum, especially when you understand of, of how deeply rooted it is in our nation's history. But of course, It's ignored. Or you'll get some liberal liberal spin on it, some liberal version of it to water it down and say, oh, no, this this, this was founded by deists. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Now, there there were some deists involved. But by and large, this nation was established by believers in Jesus Christ who understood that if this nation is going to be strong, if it's going to have vitality and persevere, it's going to be rooted on the things of God. The Founding Fathers knew that. That's found in the First Amendment. So, if we're going to have things change, by and large, by and large, it's going to come from the cultural and, and educational end. The, politica, the Actually, to tell you the truth, the political is already established. It just, it, just needs, it just needs to be affirmed. If the cultural and the educational end gets stronger in the sense that there's more of a Christian influence, Southern Christian influence that stands against lawlessness within your particular culture and community, that's when things begin to change. In my community, the biggest problem, one of the biggest problems is is hip hop. It's one of the biggest problems. That's why I I speak out against it so much. It's one of the biggest problems. It pours into other areas of the, of e- economics and and family. It, it goes into so many. It's it's a cancer, and I hate it. But nonetheless, there are other issues that needs to change culturally. So i just I just want I just want to share this tidbit. I'm going over my time usually I cut off at 30 minutes but I just want to share these thoughts and say okay guys how can we really fight culturally educationally and yes affirm the amendment the political amendments that really affirm the influence of our religion of our faith in public society what can we do how can we as a people say you know what Enough, enough. Enough is enough of this. We need to return back to how we was first established. Let's get down to it. So I just wanted to drop that on you guys. Maybe it will inspire some of you. Maybe it will lead you to, to thinking differently. And to tell you the truth, this thing is not scratching the surface. The things I shared today. Historically. But it's enough to get our feet wet. To understand where we need to go, where we came from. All right, guys, have a blessed Sunday, and I will be talking to you guys soon. God bless, and have a good one. All right.